For a third straight day, we are talking about the Battle of Alberta to kick off the program. And then, after Monday, when we recap what happens tomorrow, Kleiner, we won't be talking about it again until April. That's when these oh. two teams will play for the final time this year, but it's going to feel like withdrawal. You know when I always find that when the NFL regular season ends, you've got a bit of withdrawal. Even though you've got games on Saturdays and Sundays right. and two games each day, you're so used to NFL red zone and, and, and being able to being able to flip channels and have so many games going on and you're watching your fantasy football team and the games are more important, but just doesn't feel the same. It's what it's going to feel like after after tomorrow night's game between the Flames and the Oilers. We're so conditioned to these two teams playing like every two days. Yeah. They played December 27th, January 11th, January 29th, and now February 1st. We're so conditioned to it. What are we going to do without games between the Flames and the Oilers for the next two months? Well, and it's not just that there were games. It's that there was a lot to talk about. Like, we were talking about them no, no, during it was the... Just, it was just the, the fact that they were close geographically. Klein. That's the only <laughs> yeah. reason we were talking about these games. Just listing off fun facts about the uh, resources and the, everything in Edmonton. Well, did you no. know that the donut mill is equidistant between Edmonton <laughs> and Calgary on the Queen Elizabeth II Highway? I'm not sure if you know that. Uh, I did. That's what it was brought. I mean, the donut mill is an absolute Alberta institution. If you drive on Highway 2 and you've never been through Red Deer and you do not stop at the donut mill, I do not have time for you. I don't want to speak to you. If you do it all the time, no, you don't. Have to sp but I'm talking like you got to go. You got to go if you don't make that drive very often. It's an important. It's a staple. Anyway, I digress. Continue with what you're saying. I apologize. <laughs> no, that's fine. I'm just I'm happy that there's finally an Alberta staple that I've been a part of because I have done that exact thing that you were talking about. Boy. Although if one were to look at me, they wouldn't be surprised that the donut thing is the thing that I got to. But no, it's like there, there's been so much to talk about. And during the break when we had nothing to talk about, they still gave us uh, stuff to talk about. Will Dreisaitl skate off the ice when Kachuk is there? Will Kachuk get killed by Zach Cassian? There, there were a lot of things to discuss. And now after Saturday, it's all going to be over. Like it's for a lot of us here, it's kind of overshadowed some stuff with the Super Bowl. And that's crazy because I'm more a football guy than I am a hockey guy. And even I've caught myself going, oh, yeah, football game on Sunday. Like, it's been such a big story here for the last couple weeks. It, it is going to be a little bit weird. And it's going to be, I, I'm, I'm hoping I'm the only one thinking this and not necessarily from a, a team perspective on either side. But I don't know how super amped I am for Tuesday, February 4th against San Jose. Like, I just kind of, like, after the, the last one on Saturday, oh. If it was last year, I would have been more amped for that game. Like, yeah. last year when Calgary and San Jose were fighting for the Pacific Division title, yeah, sign me up for that game. This year, that's um, that's not the case. Yeah, game doesn't mean anything. Pacific Division title, in fact. Uh, um, no. Yeah. yeah. San Jose's the, uh, fighting to keep the first overall pick away from Ottawa. That's exactly what they're fighting for right now. 100%. That's exactly what they're fighting for right now. It's going to feel weird. So yeah. I guess my my advice would be enjoy tomorrow because it's about two months until we see it again and we have no idea what the stakes are going to be. One team, both teams could be completely out of the playoff mix by April 4th. Now, we all hope that both teams are still very much in the playoff mix. We all hope that that game on April 4th could mean a lot for positioning or who's in, who's out, or stuff like that. That would be amazing if that were to be the case, but we can't guarantee that. All we can guarantee is that tomorrow when these two teams meet, 
They will be separated still by at the very most two points, and they could be tied in points coming into tomorrow, depending on what happens tonight when the Oilers host the St. Louis Blues. So that's all we know right now. We don't know what it's going to be like on April 4th. So enjoy tomorrow would be mm-hmm. my advice because we have no idea what the uh, the next game is going to be like, and we just know that this is pretty cool what's going on right now. Yeah, it's been a blast, Like, and that, that was one of the takeaways. It's not even the, the fights and, and things of that nature. It was the desperation in the air last night with the under, or the other night with the understanding of how important those two points were going to be and how important they are now with the Edmonton still having a couple games in hand, but the Flames having a, a touch of breathing room, two points clear of the Oilers for that second spot in the Pacific Division. The, the games are important. It's not just... I hate you. Well, I hate you too. There's actual real stakes in, involved in this. And I think that's the, the extra layer that this rivalry has been missing for most of my lifetime. Welcome to the Steinberg Show. We've got a very short, uh, very short first segment. Uh, we really need to uh, make sure that the show is get back on time here. It's really imperative that we uh, get the show back on time. So I'll just finish Hockey Central at 108. Uh, okay. Uh, Anywho, uh, that's a homage, homage to Rob Kerr. Anywho, uh, welcome to the Steinberg <laughs> Show. I just any shot I can take at the boss, I'm gonna take it. Yeah. He's Peter Klein. My name is Pat Steinberg. We're in our Better Business Bureau Hot Stove Lounge this afternoon. Just quickly, we got a Yusel Valamaki update today from Brad Treliving. We're gonna we were gonna play the audio from Brad, but don't have time. So basically, I'll just paraphrase it. Uh, essentially, Valamaki will start skating on his own here in the next couple of days. Uh, he'll do that for a little while in equipment then he'll start working with the skills coaches he'll start working one-on-one uh, in that respect and then at some point in the next little while whether it's the next two weeks next three weeks next month don't know exactly then he'll start practicing with the team again and start getting back up to game speed that's all we know right now I would imagine if that all goes well a trip to the American Hockey League would be in order sometime in February or March but uh, Brad Trilliving says he's skating again significant first step still no timeline on the return for Yusuf Alamaki. It's a nice positive piece of news. I still don't know whether or not we're going to see him in NHL action this year, but at the very least, that's a nice positive sign for a guy who has not been part of the equation once this year and will be a big part of the equation in the long-term future for this team. So, a little bit of good news in Mm -hmm. that regard this afternoon. Yeah, this is someone who last year at the trade deadline, there was, okay, well, do you want to get Mark Stone? And if you do, do you want to give up Yusuf Alamaki? And the answer for a lot of people was no. Um, the, the, he is a, a player who is very much part of the, the Flames' future and a very key part of that. So any bit of good news on uh, what has to be a very frustrating injury for him is uh, a good sign. Coming up later on tonight, it is the Sports Drive at 5. It's brought to you by Pete the Plumber, the superheroes of plumbing and heating. Call 403-257-1766 or find them at PeteThePlumber.com for all your plumbing and heating needs. Let's talk Super Bowl 54 next. Our fantasy analyst, Andy McNamara, going to break it down from all kinds of different angles. That's coming your way around the corner. This is the Steinberg Show underway on a Friday. Sportsnet 960, the fan. It's almost here, just over 48 hours away from Super Bowl 54. It is the final football game of the season. 
and it sure does shape up to be a good one. Right now, Kansas City Chiefs favored by two points or one and a half, depending on where you're looking, but it's a close line regardless. And finally, we are up on it. Miami, Florida, Chiefs, Niners, Sunday afternoon. You can hear the game in its entirety right here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Welcome back to the Steinberg Show. My name is Pat Steinberg. It's time to check in with our good buddy Andy McNamara, our Sportsnet fantasy analyst, as we talk all things Super Bowl 54. Mr. McNamara, happy Super Bowl weekend. How are you, pal? Yeah, good, Pat. How are you, man? You ready, ready for this thing? I'm ready. I've I've been waiting for it. Like we haven't had football in what feels like so long. So I'm ready to watch one more game. I'm quite excited for this. Oh yeah, and, and this one, I and I, I was I was initially when the matchup after the championship games came out, I was like yeah, I was really excited. And then someone pointed out to me, they're like, remember how excited we were with the Rams dynamic offense last year, and then it sucked. I was like, oh, well, I hope that doesn't happen. I just want a good game. Let's get some points up there. Yeah, exactly. And well, how do you read this game? Like what how do you feel this one going? How how close is this between the two sides? This is tough. And you know what? I've I've heard some narratives of okay, Kansas City's gonna blow it up and Vegas knows. Okay, people, this is the thing. Vegas somehow, some way, Vegas knows. The the line is at one and a half. That screams to me that the 49ers have the edge. I don't care which side of the coin it's on, whether it's, it's the Chiefs or not. If this is forced to a shootout, the Niners are going to lose because the weaponry of the Kansas City Chiefs and the Pat Mahomes factor, we know, is in, just incredible. It's next level. But with the 49ers, what's, what's going to be fascinating to me to watch is that the Chiefs have played this game already. They've played a team just two weeks ago where it was all running back and the quarterback doesn't throw the ball. That was the Tennessee Titans. And they beat the Titans. So I wonder, even if the 49ers' defense is better, how that is going to work. So I'm, I'm going a bit back and forth there on how it's going to play out. Ultimately, I think it comes with, to within three. My official pick is I think the Niners are going to win at 24-21. But I, I could really – I just hope it's, it's close. I think if it's close, it's going to be a lot of fun. I've got I've got Kansas City winning this game but not in a blowout and not really in a shootout. I in in and there's different ways of looking at it. Some people say, well, in a in a close playoff game like this, I lean towards the team with the best defense and there's no doubt about it that San Francisco, but for me, when it comes down to a game like this, I'm going to take the elite quarterback over the non-elite quarterback. And mm. I, I, I think the Jimmy Garoppolo story is is a really good one. You know, the knee injury and him missing yeah. so much of last season. Like, there's a lot the, to sink your teeth into. And now bringing the Niners back to the Super Bowl. But Patrick Mahomes is a transcendent and potentially generational quarterback here. And, and I'm going to I'm gonna take him in his first trip to the big game. So that's what it comes down to to me. I've got it very similar. I've got a 28-20 four in favor of Kansas City. I think this is going to be a really close football game and I the one thing that I know San Fran's defense is outstanding. But I don't like Kansas City does not have an elite defense, but they got a good one. And and they especially do. in the second half of the season, it really started to come on. They've got playmakers there and so with all that with all that together, I think they've got what it takes to win a close one over San Fran. It's going to be very interesting because the, the the Kansas City defense is surprisingly stout against the pass. It's vulnerable to the run. At least that's what the regular season stats say. 
Now, we saw them handle and contain Derrick Henry. And so, again, there's, there's the formula for you right there for, for that to work. But they, the defense is sneaky good. It's not, it doesn't have the high profile of five first-round picks on the D-line and all that that San Francisco has. But when we look at this, it's, okay, how the, the creativity of Kyle Shanahan, I think, is underrated. And the, I call it the legacy family offense because he has modernized and used the same offense that his father, Mike, won two Super Bowls at the Denver Broncos that he learned under not just his father, but also Gary Kubiak, a modernized version of that. And then he has put his own twist into it. So we're looking at one really developed legacy offense against Andy Reid, who's a creative genius. So what type, I'm excited to see what type of like trick plays, how creative are we going to get? Keep your eye on Debo Samuel. That's Kyle Shanahan's gadget guy. We could see some really fun stuff with, with Debo. And if the run game doesn't work, if they're able to contain or have to get away from it, but the ultimate question is going to be, can Jimmy G deliver? He's done it this year when asked to against the New Orleans Saints. He hasn't been asked to a lot. So it's going to be an ultimate, it's going to be an ultimate challenge. It's okay. Hey, if it comes down to your arm, if it comes down to where you cannot run the ball, can you do it? And we're going to find that out Sunday. I, I can't wait. One, and I know just to expand on that, you're the coaching matchup between Shanahan and Reed is that's a chess match you're really dialed in on, oh. eh? Oh yeah, yeah, and and also, what's been the knock on Andy Reed? Time management, managing yep. the clock when it gets late in games. The the thing is, Andy Reed has all this regular season success. What's the knock on? Chokes in the playoffs, chokes in the big game. This is the ultimate redemption for Andy Reed. Can he finally win the big one? What if it gets down close really late in the game and you got to manage that clock and that's his weakness? Like, how is that going to play out? And then the defense back and forth. Like, the, the little things in this game that maybe, maybe we don't necessarily see on the field, but just those little sideline stuff that will come out later, I think is going to be the difference in this game. If this is close, it's going to come down to coaching, to that one play, to that one timeout called at the correct time. Who's going to have the advantage of it? If it's me, even though he's younger, I give that edge to Kyle Shanahan. Now, if you are playing uh, Daily Fantasy, if you're, if you're going to DraftKings and you're playing in a couple of leagues this weekend for Super Bowl 54, uh, you can have some fun with that. You've got, a, mm -hmm. you've got a bit of an insider fantasy tip for us for this weekend. Yeah, now, Pat, listen, I love you guys. I love your listeners, okay? So I'm giving you this first. I haven't done it on my fantasy show, which is Sunday, 6 a.m., out there at 960. I haven't even put it in the Fantasy Minute. This will be coming out tomorrow on the Fantasy Minute at AndyMC81 and beyond Sportsnet Twitter. So I'm telling you guys first, this is from an inside source I know personally down in Miami who has knowledge of the San Francisco 49ers running back situation. He says this, do not be fooled by the health status of Tevin Coleman. Tevin Coleman with that banged-up shoulder will play. But it will be very limited, and as of now, as of today, it will be in a pass-catch-only scenario, and he will be very limited. So if you're playing fantasy or even some prop plays, like I'm going to check. I haven't looked at him. Yeah, I'm going to check prop plays over-under on rushing yards for Tevin Coleman and whatever it is. I'm taking the under. It's going to be get him some touches, but Raheem Moster is going to be the man. Don't be scared away of the committee. In DraftKings contest, go with Moster. Pay up. I've even captained him in the showdown league where you get one and a half times the fantasy points if you pick him. I've captained him. It is going to be on the back of Raheem Mostert. So, Tevin Coleman, hear all you want about the, the health. That's what it'll be. 
just in a pass-catching phase. So do not count on him for any rushing yards. I like it. That's a good insider tip. So you want to uh, move away, fade on Coleman. Uh, yes. And Mostert's the guy that you want to focus in on uh, in Super Bowl 54. Andy McNamara is with us, our Sportsnet fantasy analyst. Now, you, you've been on with us all year talking fantasy each and every week as we get set for the season. Uh now, the fantasy year is essentially done, and we haven't been playing traditional fantasy football for about a month now, but you have been doing kind of some post-mortem and some, uh, you know, taking a look back and deliberating on the season. So you, you've got an article coming out tomorrow on the fantasy bounce back and fantasy busts at each position. Tell us a little bit more about that. What jumps off the page to you there? Right. So actually, I'm going to put this. This will be out on. I'm putting the finishing touches on probably Tuesday. Um, the whole article, but I'll give you guys a little look. Because this is, when the, the Super Bowl ends, the next year begins. It, 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 just, it just keeps going. So what I wanted to do in this article was look back at, okay, who going into 2020 is going to be the best bounce-back candidate and overhyped draft bust at each fantasy position? And that's valuable because we see it every year. Like, think about how highly David Johnson was drafted this year as a bounce-back candidate. Woof. You got burnt. But this year, I'm loving him because no, everyone's going to be fading on him as with, the, with the caveat that he leaves the Cardinals. If he goes somewhere else, David Johnson still has the tools as a, a PPR darling to come in and produce. So David Johnson, for example, is one of my bounce-back guys. And a bust, based on where he's going to be drafted, Derrick Henry is screaming Fantasy bust to me because I'm hearing talk, Pat, that this guy's going to be drafted some people first overall, top three. Personally, I'm not touching Derrick Henry if I'm in a 12-team league till spots 11 or 12. And it's not that he's going to have a bad year. I think he's going to have a fine year, but he's so one-dimensional. He's not useless in PPR, but very limited in PPR. So you're looking pretty much standard for him to be a top-end guy. And look at the running style. This is what we have to focus on. Look at his running style. 27 years old, he seeks out violent collisions. That's what he does. He runs through people. He's a house with feet. He collides. Big-bodied 6'3", what, 240, 250. That's going to wear down. I'm not confident that you can ride Derrick Henry in that same formula, in that straight-ahead collision base into his late 20s then he's going to be worth a top three fantasy pick. So, again, if it's end of the first round and you're 12 and there's a run on running back, yeah, go for it. But don't fall into the Derrick Henry trap of chasing because I think think we'll be disappointed in that way. What is coming up on the fantasy show this weekend, my friend? 6 till 8 a.m. every Sunday morning right here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Yeah, so we're doing a big Super Bowl special here, okay? So we're going to be talking to a couple guys in Miami, we're going to get the uh, really go over for your fantasy town. I want to get some health updates. What's the latest on certain guys, right? We want to know who's healthy, who to play there. Get some fantasy uh, tips there. We're going to be taking some big picture views, similar to this bounce back uh, bus scenario. Also looking at some keepers for each team, each one to avoid, as well as just kind of go over uh, from the quarterback standpoint and different position groups and, and try to give a little bit of a big picture view on the year and a look ahead as well as some rookies. We'll get into some uh, post-senior bowl pre-draft talk because that's always where the value is. If you can hit on a good rookie coming out in his first year that no one's really heard about, I got a couple of them there that I saw at the senior bowl that I think you guys are going to like. So there's what well, we're, we're doing, going Super Bowl and we're going 2020 look ahead. 
You do outstanding work, my friend. Uh, it is good to hear from you as well. Enjoy Super Bowl 54. We'll catch up again next week. Thank you, Mr. McNamara. Absolutely. Talk to you soon. Enjoy the game. You too, man. It's Andy McNamara, our Sportsnet fantasy analyst on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. The same secret recipe since 1975 for pickup or delivery. Call 403-248-3344 and find them at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Of course, we've got Super Bowl 54 play-by-play for you just after 4 o'clock right here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Why wouldn't we? We've been your radio home of the NFL, oh, you know, just for the better part of the last 20 years. Don't forget, we did it earlier today, every Friday. It's Lou's Mailbag right here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. It's part of Hockey Central at noon. Get your questions in at sportsnet.ca slash 960. If your question gets read on the air, you'll win a pair of lower bowl seats to an upcoming Flames game and a $100 gift card to Ruth's Chris. Lou's Mailbag's brought to you by Ruth's Chris Steakhouse and the primetime menu featuring two courses for $44 available daily before 6.30 and any time on Sundays, Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. It's Eric Francis Friday next, and it's all about the Battle of Alberta. This is the Steinberg Show on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. More Battle of Alberta talk. Welcome back to the program. Steinberg uh, along with you from the Better Business Bureau Hot Stove Lounge at the Scotiabank Saddle Domini. A rare treat for me. This is, and this is a true treat. Eric Francis joins us. It's time for Eric Francis Fridays, but an hour late today uh, from Sportsnet and Sportsnet.ca. Hello, franchise. What's up, brother? How are you, my man? I'm good. How you doing? I'm I'm well. I've uh, boy, we've been able to fill our boots with uh, all the different storylines, not just this year, but the last two or three weeks. And uh, the other night, of course, just I don't want to say it fueled the fire because I think the fighting's over with. I, I don't know what your thoughts are, but I I feel like. They've got that out of the way, that uh, not the elephant in the room, but, you know, with Matthew yep. Kachuk finally answering the questions that some people had, whether he needed to or not, that's a whole other discussion, but he did. And I feel like they're just going to settle down and battle like hell for those two points. And don't get me wrong, if a game gets out of hand, score-wise, I think we might see some some more, you know, uh, some of hijinks, we'll put it that way. But I think these two teams, now they just all, they want to put all that stuff aside too and just play hockey. And that's kind of the way the NHL is now. Anyway, nobody thinks about fights anymore. They're just thinking about the two points because so many teams need them every night. Yeah, and, and I, I wonder about that too. And I, I think you're probably right when it's all said and done because the the points are as important as they are right now. And, I mean, look, from an Edmonton standpoint, this this season series, which they're already 0 for 3 and they've got, what, one of a possible six points so far? This season series could be the difference between them making and missing the playoffs. And if they can't salvage this between now and, and the end of the season in the last two meetings, then that, that could be the biggest reason why they end up missing the playoffs. So I think if you're Edmonton specifically, you got to be like, okay, sure, we exacted our pound of flesh and Cassian fought Kachuk and, you know, there were a couple of big hits. and But, like, if you're the Oilers, don't you have to only focus on the game at hand because of how important these two points are for you? Yeah, yeah, and, and don't get me wrong. When you think about it, in the dressing rooms, the, the respective dressing rooms, 95% of the players are focused 100% on just, you know, being the best they can be skill-wise and trying to get those two points. We're talking about two or three principles, tops, that are kind of have been distracted somewhat by, you know, the lead-up to that last game. You know, that's Matthew Kachuk, Zach Cassian, Milan Lucic, um, Zach Ronaldo. Uh, you know, Maybe Darnell Nurse. Are, 
Darnell Nurse for sure, you know. And and while not all of them played a role in all this, you know, everyone else was just focused on playing hockey. Now, was Sean Monahan going to fight on a, on game 42 against Columbus? No, probably not. I think he got caught up in the moment and and the adrenaline and and you know, and it added to it all because I think that was the brilliant undercard to the to the main event. But um, you know, nobody else I think is thinking about fights anymore. And I think more than anything, I think that's why Kachuk wanted to to fight that that fight and get it out of the way so it wasn't looming every time he touched the puck, every game he played in. Don't get me wrong. Every time he touches the puck, if Zach Cassie's on the ice, he's going to try and take his head off, and so is everybody else on the Oilers. But in terms of trying to exact revenge or settle scores, that's done. It's done. Like I'm not. Uh, I think that storyline's an old one now, and I think it's it's now just about you know moving on. And and I think in Edmonton they tried to drag it out, and I get that McDavid was angry with that little exchange him and Giordano had along the boards, uh, but I thought it was said best by Dave Tippett yesterday and Brad Living today that uh, it's, it's a load of garbage. McDavid was angry. There's no question about it, but he wouldn't say whether he was angry because he thought it should be a two-minute penalty. Uh, was he angry because it was potentially uh, it could have, could have injured him? Uh, was he angry, you know, just because the, the game was not going the way he wanted it to? There's a lot of reasons why McDavid could have just snapped there, and I think all of them combined for him to kind of lose it, and I give him a ton of credit after the game, not making a mountain out of a molehill and saying, guys, yeah. I'm not talking about that. I think that was really classy. A lot of classy moves, I think, in the last uh, you know, 48 hours from on both sides. A lot of different ways to go there uh, with Eric Francis as he joins us on Eric Francis Fridays for the Beltliner. Let's, uh, just to, to put a bow on the Kachuk-Cassian stuff, do you think that that personal rivalry still exists? And do you think there is the potential for those two to be at one another's throats? Maybe not on Saturday, maybe not again this season, but Cassian's just signed for four more years. Is that something that we could see a reprisal of down the road, do you think? Oh, 100%. But do I think that they're planning on fighting at all in the next game or even the next within the next year? No, I don't think so. I Think about the history of Matthew Kachuk and that Drew Doughty back and forth. Kachuk didn't let up. I mean, Kachuk is relentless when it comes to Drew Doughty and hits him as hard as he can every chance he gets. I don't think that'll change. I think Kachuk will continue to target Cassian, knowing that Cassian's a little more volatile than most players in the league with an eye on trying to drop penalties. So I think that they're going to continue to go hard at it, but is there the anger, the hatred between the two? No, I don't think so. That that nod of approval from Cassian after that fight, I thought was, like I said, I thought it was really classy. I thought it was very telling. And I said to a colleague, as soon as that happened, I said, you watch, I bet you Cassian is gushing after the game about Matthew Kachuk, giving him that opportunity to fight. And sure enough, he was full of praise for Matthew Kachuk after the game. And I think, I think that's where the, the vitriol, the, the hatred ends, but that's not to say that the target on his back is going to dissipate. Mm. Those guys are still going to go hard at it. And if things get out of hand or a score gets out of hand, of course they could fight. But I think Kachuk is happy saying if Kachuk's career ends in 15 years from now and he never fights that casting again, I think he'd be pretty happy with that. Yeah. What what do you make of the, the Giordano conversation? We were both there for Brad Tree Living when he spoke about it today. Uh, I know that you know some questions were asked about some hits in the past and not even just necessarily about the McDavid situation and how angry he was on – on Wednesday night, where are you on some of those some of those 
questionable hits that Giordano's been involved in over the last number of years, and then one coming up with McDavid on Wednesday. I, I think, you know, what Giordano said is, is of course, he's going to say this, but we've got to remember that the game happens very quickly. He thought he w- was going to beat McDavid to that puck, which is maybe foolhardy to think you're going to beat McDavid to the puck. But either way, McDavid beat him to the puck and then chipped it and, and tried to go around him. And it, it happened in a split second. Giordano just kind of tried to stick his arm out and a little bit of his leg, but there was no knee stuck out. And to me, that's the crucial difference. Stick your skate out, and yeah, it could be interference for sure. I could definitely have seen an interference call there. And I think that's a big part of why uh, McDavid was so mad. I, you know, a crucial two-minute power play could have been a difference in the game, right. and I think that's the number one reason why he was mad. But in terms of intent to injure or there was a maliciousness, come on, come on. This is Mark Giordano we're talking about. And I know he's been involved in a couple of questionable, you know, hits plays in the past, but I'm not, I wouldn't categorize that as one of them. I think that, you know, this was a situation where it just happened so quickly um, and the game is all about reaction and he reacted the way he did and the knee didn't come in. No problem with McDavid being mad, but if there's anybody out there who thinks that there's now another threat of retribution or that there's a score to settle or anything like that, I think they're kidding themselves. That's just the battle of Alberta and media types getting a little out of control. Yeah, well, that's, that's what I was going to ask you next. Do you do you expect that to bleed into or be a storyline heading into tomorrow night, or or is that overplaying it? Well, I, I know there were words out there with Giordano and some of the other players on the, the Oilers about it, and, you know, I don't anticipate that's going to disappear, and I'm sure, you know, whenever a player thinks he's got something on another guy, he's going to remind him of it and, and chirp him about it, but uh, do I think that Mark Giordano has to fight somebody? I mean, let's slow down here. I mean, no, there's to me, there's none of that. But I, I do ex- expect words to be exchanged and maybe reminders to be out there that, you know, you touch Connor again and you're going to get it this time, whatever the case may be. Um, I, I I think it's a storyline that's largely manufactured by uh, the media up north. And I, and I hate this. I never, I hate it when people blame the media for storylines and stuff, but Nobody in Calgary was talking about that um, after the game, but it was pretty predictable to me that a lot of people in Edmonton would be talking about it, and that's fine. That's just the way it goes, and if, if the shoe was on the other foot, people in Calgary would be talking about it too. But I just think it's a storyline that's a little overblown for people to think it's an issue. Yeah, I, I, I don't really expect it to bleed into tomorrow's game either. The only thing that I said yesterday, and, and I said this with – with the play on McDavid on Wednesday, and it's the same feel I have on the Cam Fowler hit against Anaheim, the uh, Miko Koivu hit last year that ended up costing Koivu most of his season. Now, there's been a few of these in recent years, and, and my feel is just I don't ever think there's malicious intent there. I really don't. I think that Giordano is so hardwired to never give up on a play that sometimes he puts himself in bad spots because he's not giving up on times when he's beaten. Giving up's not even the right word, but because he's going to make sure that he goes uh, and, and plays it 100%. And, and I think sometimes he puts himself and other players in dangerous spots, but I never... I never really feel like it's dirty or malicious or any intent to injure. It's just the way the guy is wired and the way the guy's been wired his entire career. And and I'll be honest, that hard wire is, I believe, one of the biggest reasons why he's made it to the NHL, knowing the circumstances he's had to overcome. 
still there, franchise? I am there. Yeah, sorry, you just cut out there for a sec. Yeah, no, I agree with everything you just said. And, and you know, with a high-speed a high speed game and a guy as competitive as that, I, no doubt over the course of, I think, as Brad Cheerleving said, over when you're 106 years old and you play in the league still, uh, there are inevitably going to be hits or exchanges that some people are going to question. No doubt about it. But go ahead and ask everyone around the league about the reputation of Mark Giordano and whether or not there's maliciousness in him or dirty. No, I, I don't buy that many people would agree with that. Um, and, you know, McDavid is so darn fast. You, you get to a point where you're probably trying to do anything you can to just slow him down a half step. Yes, it should have been a penalty. I think even Giordano kind of winked towards that today. But uh, that's the extent of it. Again, for people who play hockey, whenever that leg comes out, everybody loses their mind, right? Like, oh, he's trying to end my career, or you could end my career. The leg didn't come out. The knee didn't come out. The foot came out. Big difference, in my opinion. What do you expect tomorrow in terms of the actual game itself? We've talked about it, and I'm, I'm kind of with you. I don't know if I'm expecting a ton of fireworks or a ton of fisticuffs or anything like that, but just in terms of the competitive level, knowing the last two games these two teams have played, what are you expecting tomorrow night? Well, I thought it was symbolic that as soon as Kachuk fought, it was just about the hockey. From that point on, it was just about great hockey. And I knew if that thing ever did get settled, I, I do believe that from now on, they're just settling in and playing hockey. So I think that the, the, the talk on Sunday morning after the game will be about, wow, what another great game. What a great rivalry. It's really living up to the expectations. And, you know, the parity in the league, the parity in this division, the parity between these two teams, uh, I think that'll be the talking point on Sunday and Monday. Uh, I, I don't think we're going to be talking about fisticuffs. And uh, I think we'll be talking about some big hits and some old-time hockey in terms of uh, it being a little more rough and tumble than today's NHL, which is way too sanitized. Um, so it sticks out that way. And it's funny because I heard anecdotally today about players on some other teams in other cities huddling around. Uh, one of them was that another team during their intermission was huddled around watching the Battle of Alberta on TV in their locker room because they couldn't get enough of it. Everybody's watching it. Everybody's loving the, the, the emotion. And, you know, that's another thing that I know we got to go here, but the, the David Riddick bat flip, stick flip, talk, mm-hmm. mic drop, whatever you want to call it. I got to tell you, if there's anyone out there who thinks that, well, let me put it this way. I, I can tell you this. If Dreisaitl scores a goal on tomorrow night, I would be shocked if he didn't do something similar. I, I, he's that guy. I, and, and I don't want to say that in a bad way. This is all entertainment. I'm okay with it. Um, what's I think wrong, he will what's respond. Wrong with, what's wrong with emotion? You know, like, exactly. We get, we get so... We're always like, oh, well, it's boring, and they never say anything, and they never do anything. And then when they do it, we criticize them. So why are we crit- – like, I had no problem with it. Had had Mike Smith won the shootout and done the same thing, I would have been like, yeah, you know what? Good on him. That's emotion. And you know what? He probably would have done something because he's an emotional guy too. Emotion is good. It makes it makes things more entertaining, which is what this thing's all about. Exactly. And, and it, you don't have to like it, though. I mean – Think about how many people around the baseball world hated what Jose Batista did. Like it wasn't well received for anyone outside of Toronto fan bases, but that's okay. That's okay. It's not crossing lines. It's not showing anyone up. I don't expect people in Edmonton to like it. I don't expect Dryside to like it or take it lying down. I think he will respond with a similar sort of toss. I really do. Or, or one of his teammates, if if and when <laughs> he will get points on Saturday, I, I can predict that. And and I and I don't have a problem with it. 
tit for tat. I, I love the back and forth. This is all entertainment, people. That's yep. all this is supposed to be. It's supposed to be fun. These are guys having fun. And I can tell you, if if anyone out there thought that David Riddick to kind of did it to try and send a message or get a, under their skin, his response today made it very, very clear. He's like, I don't even know what I was doing. I don't know what I was thinking. I don't know who Jose Batista is. I've never seen a baseball game in my life. Um, call it whatever you want. I don't know. But the whole time he had a massive grin. He was just, there was no apologizing. There was no, geez, maybe I shouldn't have done that. It was just, hey, we just, I just stopped three of the biggest names in hockey. We won a huge game. I was happy, and I showed it. End of stop. Really yep. good for the rivalry. I'm all for it. I'm, I'm hoping we get some more emotion in this thing tomorrow night. Good stuff, my man. Uh, we will see you back here tomorrow morning. Thank you, Mr. Francis. Thanks, buddy. Always good talking with you. It's Eric Francis. Eric Francis Fridays brought to you by the Beltliner uh, as uh, he, of course, joins us every Friday. Now, usually joins us in the noon hour as part of Hockey Central at noon. But today joining us in the Steinberg show just because we had uh, special uh, some special things going on uh, on Hockey Central at noon. So brought to you by the Beltliner every Friday. Eric Francis from Sportsnet and Sportsnet.ca. Well, how does Brad Trilliving react to some of that criticism on Mark Giordano? We'll find out as Pinder and Steinberg kicks off next. We're live at the Scotiabank Saddledome. Happy Friday. That'll do it for Fifth Avenue Auto House's Steinberg Show on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.